Hey, Josh, what are you doing on Sunday? Oh, nothing much. Just grooming, working out, looking at my biceps in the mirror. Uh, well, how do you fancy taking a break from that and having a private lesson with Azzy Wind? Oh, my God. That would be great, Andy Gladwin. How much? $50. Can I download it afterward or just watch yeah. live? No, of course you can download it. Oh, great. Um, can I ask questions live? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Zoom is, like, sketchy. Is this going to be a Zoom thing? Nope. We've developed our own system, and it's much, much better than Zoom. Oh, wow. Where do I sign up? Uh, you sign up at the Vanishing Magic website. You may know it, vanishingmagic.com, and we will see you at the Azzywind Masterclass. Hey, thanks for calling, friend. Always happy to call you, my friend. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Insider, brought to you, as ever, by Vanishing Inc. Today on the line, we're lucky enough to have the one, the only, Tina Leonard. Tina, how are you this afternoon, this morning? I'm I'm good. Yes, it's morning for me, and it's a lovely morning in California. And of course it is. It's nice to hear from you, yeah. What's your origin story? You've got 26 seconds. My origin story? Mm-hmm. Of magic or life? or Magic. Magic, okay. Well, uh, something I never expected until I was exactly 23 years old. I had been, a, I was a mime. That was my passion that I had. I had several passions before then, as far as performing goes, but that is the one that hit me really hard. And I somehow became a street performer. And a friend of mine who was a magician uh, took me to the Magic Castle, and I walked into the Magic Castle, and I just said, for some unknown reason, I belong here. I mean, I it's a bar. You have to dress up. I don't like to do either one of those things. <laughs> but somehow I walked in, and I was enchanted. I know that I've always loved old buildings, and that is a place I used to pass. I was going to, to junior college at the time studying music. And I'd pass there every day and wondered what that old mansion was about. So I walked in and I just kind of, it wasn't, it's interesting because it wasn't so much about the magic as it was about the place. Right. So I thought, gee, I got to be, I got to work here. What do I do? And I called the Magic Castle the next day, and unbeknownst to me, I actually talked to Bill Larson, the founder. <laughs> he was actually, it was at the point, you know, he was still answering phones. Sure. <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, I'm a mime, and I was wondering, I would really like to work at the Magic Castle. And he very kindly said to me, well, you know, you have to be a magician if you want to work here. And I, I just thought for a second. I thought, oh, and that's too bad. Well, well thank you. <laughs> and I hang up the phone, and I start thinking, and I go, wait a minute. Mime, magic, there is a relationship there. There's, uh, they're, 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 they both deal with illusions, mm -hmm. and why not see if I can put those two together? And unbeknownst to me, that became the next 40 years for me. And I got to know a few magicians there, and I started hanging out around there, getting, getting to know people and figuring out how I can get into this place. And just thanks to the very generous, kind magicians, they seemed interested in the fact that I wanted that I was a mime and I wanted to find out ways of, of bringing magic into mime so they were very helpful and I took a few lessons here and there and hung out at the magic shop and finally got enough I'd already had a mime act I was a street performer yeah. that had about seven seven hours worth of performing in me and I've kind of figured out what seven minutes worked the best and how could I put magic into those seven minutes and thinking about all the the, the relationships and Somehow that all happened, and I uh, auditioned, scariest day of my life, 
and they let me through. I mean, I barely squeaked by because there was a few people there that thought, well, this is mine, this isn't magic. But I squeaked by and I just ended up there. And I just, it's, it's such a great place. It's it is a, a very special place. And um, my interest still is the magic related thing. So uh, in other words, my first interest is magic, is mime and then music. And then I've just all these years been figuring out ways how to put magic into those two forms as well as that I'm a super emotional person and I think that what's lacking in a lot of magic is the, the feeling that, that goes, be, you know, the deepest feelings. Not that you don't expose the deepest feelings, but it's the soul, the heart that comes from it. Sure. So it just seems to have worked in some way and I'll never quite understand it, but I decided it's not really worth trying to understand. Yeah, some things aren't. Let's talk about Mottman. Mottman, oh Which my you gosh. debuted in 1986. Correct. How did that start? And how has it developed over the years? Well, it started, uh, it's kind of autobiographical. It's about you, right? In the sense, (laughs) it's about me in a sort of a, it's an artistic version of it. Meaning that, and and I think the reason the act works is something we all share. We have these things that we want to express, but we just don't quite know how. And we want to have a better life. And we're trying to see how we can find a better life through whatever means and that's kind of what Mr. Montman's about and it's also about falling in love it's all things that we want mm. um, and, and I condense that into a seven minute piece now the origins I've as I was writing up about this act I counted 27 sources oh. in terms of either people that helped me people that inspired me um, and so that it's a lot you know you talk about originality and it's like it's not it, my act looks original but I came. It came from so many things in my life. It condensed into that one thing. I would say the two largest inspirations were, first of all, it came from a strong desire to be able to combine mind with magic. Sure. Okay. Right. Into each other. So that was that. That was my rule number one, or not rule, but my Go. my thing that would make it work on stage. So uh, I I think the most emotional side was I, and I mentioned this in my little book there. Uh, is the scene in, in the Rocky movie, which you would never guess mm. was with the inspiration. But And when you think of it, you go, yeah, there was a scene in the Rocky movie where Adrian, the very first one, where Rocky meets Adrian, and she's kind of this humble-looking woman with glasses and a hat, and she's just really, again, it's totally me. You know, she's just awkward socially. She doesn't know what, how to be. She wants to fall in love. She wants all these things. And Rocky very gently takes off her glasses and her hat and and very sweetly says look you are beautiful um and then she finds this whole new self which is still herself but it's a self that she's been concealing all sure. her life. so that's the emotional side of it so you can't just have the emotional side to anything and then so the technical side came from a few sources i'd seen a a, a stripper do a thing where she would uh, she'd sit on this um it was a a, a, a burlesque show in las mm-hmm. vegas and she sits, she has this man's coat that she drapes over one side and the man's, uh, that, that her other hand comes through representing the man and he proceeds to take her clothes off and strips her. And I thought that is so fascinating because it's like two people doing, two, one person doing two people and how mine is that? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And, and it's also, you can tell a story that way and a very touching story about two people and you, could, you only need one person to tell the story. So it was really a, a combination of those two that were the main thing. 
and then a lot of other technical things like why do I use the left hand for the guy and the right hand for the woman mm. well because I used to play classical guitar and on classical guitar your left hand is really strong because it holds the fret and yeah. the right hand works at being delicate yeah the, the right hand's uh, plucking so that's a very kind of a very feminine thing on the plucking side and a very masculine thing uh-huh. on the fretting side and I thought boy that's like oh, wow. that that's a given right there you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely and I'm left-handed so all these little things popped in and all these wonderful magicians and other minds and actors and dancers all and clowns I had a very wonderful clown that helped me out with it uh, Avner one of them and Larry <laughs> Pizzoni was another one and uh, and magicians, you know, namely Mike Caveney and never I heard of him. A lot of those, and yeah, right. Yeah, I, I hear, I hear him every day, <laughs> which is a blessing. I'm very fortunate that I found that guy. Yeah, that's really a, a real blessing. So I'm just saying that it was there were so many sources, and then it was just up to me to put up with myself and my impatience. Right. Like I think we all have you. You get this thing, and it hits you so hard that you can't let it go. I mean, for two years, that was all I could think about. Everything I would look at would relate to, okay, how can I make this work? And just going through all the things that didn't work, and you know, it took about two years to kind of get it to come together, and then from then. Uh, thanks to other, you know, people would see it and would say, oh, what if you did this? Or, oh, what if, how about this? And, how, you know, I'd get little hints like that. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kept adding on. And, um, you know, that's really how that worked. So, Do you need to yeah. get that? I'm not going to answer that. Okay. We're just going to let it ring. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Since that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it will, but on. I don't want to have it in the recording. So we'll wait, till the, oh, for the, wait oh, for them to I? give up. Or you answer oh, it. Should, should we stop for a moment? <laughs> it's fine. Okay, you can stop. How do you think the act has developed over the 30-odd years you've been performing it? Um, certainly, you know, I had no plans on doing it. Actually, 30... 33. Since 86, yeah. 30. That was not in my plan. That was going to be a transition piece. I wanted to do a one-person show where the cleaning lady would come in between all the different things ah. I would do. And then at the end, the cleaning lady would... You know, find her happiness. Sure. So I thought that was a perfect uh, running, uh, like a red thread, as mm-hmm. they call it in Germany. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, but I still, uh, I just, yeah, I, how to develop, I don't know. I just didn't, I just kept working on it, um, especially mostly when people would give me an idea. I think that that, that was the main thing because it was hard for me to, I was kind of settled into it. So once in a while, somebody would say something really brilliant and I'd go, oh my gosh, yeah. I got to do that. And, um, so I don't know. I mean, it it kept me going. I I didn't really plan on doing it. I really wanted to move on, but it that seems stuck. to be what drew what what came back to me. Yeah, that was uh, me. That ended up being my identity. So how do you keep it um, fresh after doing it for so long? Yeah. Oh, keeping it fresh. That's that's uh, the, uh my now way of doing it. Before it was just uh, I would just. Uh, I still do this. I, I focus on different things. Ah. Sometimes I'll focus on the breath. I'll think, okay, I want to inhale. I want to do a deeper inhale here. I want, to, and then other times I go, oh, I go through my twenty-seven sources. Oh, thank you. I would sort of thank somebody. Okay. Thank you for this idea. It's working. And um, other times, let me see. I just would. Uh, first of all, it was the first show of the of the run. I would just be thinking about are the lights working? Mm-hmm. It's all that you know. I just right. be going looking at technical stuff. But and, and honestly, sometimes I'd be going through it and I'd think, and see, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? i got to do my laundry. And I would start doing that and i get really mad at myself. i go, don't do this. You're stealing from the audience when you do this. Yeah. 
You have to be in the moment. And a lot of times I could stay in the moment because I think, you know, nothing wrong with falling in love. You can't get tired of that. So I would tell myself the story. And also I would do dialogue. I would actually, there's, a, there's an inner dialogue that goes on there. And the purpose of the inner dialogue is so that I don't step on each other's lines. Right. You know, like he'll say something like, oh, you look, you, you know, don't be so shy. I can, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person. And then I go, oh, really, are you sure? And yes, please calm down. And I go, mm. oh, you know, oh, thank you. You know, so it's like, it was this two-way thing. Yeah, so I do, and sometimes I would play jokes with myself at the end when when the, when Man turns it to kiss me and everybody goes, oh. And myself, I'm saying, guys, it's just a mop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this isn't real. So I just kind of joke with myself. <laughs> but... <laughs> I go, you know, this is really weird. <laughs> and, you know, now it's, I know that, see, I stopped doing this act in 20, 2004, 2004. I said, I am done. I was in Germany. I was on this long run. It, I, my my soul was saying, look, you've, you have done enough of this. You have to stop. So I said, okay, when this run is over, which was like two weeks away from, I said, this is it. But I had a few contracts that I needed to fulfill, and I did. And for some reason, those contracts that I needed to fulfill ended up being so much fun and so, you know, it, it was a great. I really enjoyed it. And from then on, for the last, whatever, 15 years, it's been kind of a joy ride. Kind of like, oh, gosh, this is fun. I'm really happy to be yeah. here. I'm happy to return to this country working with these people. So I'm not giving it a, a stop date, but I am thinking, you know, I want the very last, the, I don't I don't know when the last time is that I'll do this act. I have no idea. And I want the last time I do it to be the best because I want to have a good memory sure. of it. So I commit to that now. Okay. And I always find little fun things to do during the time. So that's it. Character's obviously really important to you from the initial Raggedy Ann mm-hmm. stuff to the doll mm-hmm. to Mop Man. What advice do you think you could offer to listeners struggling to create an original character? Uh, yeah, that's character. I I think the short answer to that is you don't find your character, your character finds you. And you have to be open to that. I think I see too many people thinking, oh, I've got to be this crazy wild character running around. And, and you can tell. We can sense it. We can smell it as an audience. We can smell the sincerity. And I've seen acts evolve. I've been around so long that I've seen acts that are great now that were not great when I first saw them. <laughs> and that was because they were trying to be somebody else. Right. And um, I just, it just doesn't always work. I think that it has to come from, to, to really work is something that has to come from deep within. In my case, those aren't characters, that's me. That's a facet of myself. Ah. And I, I, I love the, the um, idea, uh, the, the facet. And, and I, I got this word from uh, Frank Oz, who back uh, way 30 years ago when I was still starting this, he, I was at a puppet festival. Frank Oz, the great um, director, uh, and the fact that he was the, the voice of Miss Piggy, <laughs> that was Frank Oz. He was also Yoda, but the fact that he came out looking like a normal person, mm-hmm. talking about you know puppetry, that because that's what he was was mainly then. He just then became a director. And someone says, and I, I'm looking and I go, where did Miss Piggy come from? Because you would never know. Sure. He says that's a facet of myself. He says we all have these things. We all have these hidden. Some are hidden. Some are out there hidden parts of ourselves that are really deep that that can express themselves so it's hard for me to imagine Frank Oz being Miss Piggy 
But then I think about it, yeah, we do have these parts of ourselves. Right. And it's just a matter of taking them out there and developing them and, and shaping them into art. Um, and I think the best performers have that. And they don't. They might not call it a facet. Oh, and a facet also that uh, it it has to be a facet that's you, but it as equally important, it has to be a facet that the audience can relate to. Audience can relate to Montman. Audience can re could relate to that little doll thing that I did because she was sweet, she was vulnerable. Uh, as far as the scarf and rings, it's a lot less, quote, character, mm. unquote, more as, a, as an etude, like a study of of how I would like to see, the, first because it's scarf and the rings, it's a scarf in terms of the techniques I use to make the scarf move. I love movement and I love to have the um, my body move and have my props be the extension of okay. the body. So that so now I think of it that way more as uh, a character. I mean that's real me because I'm not either a doll and I'm not a cleaning lady. I'm just there and it's sure. like it's it's really scary. I'm really scared of that act, but I, that's why I love it. And with the rings, the rings especially, and using uh, this tango, this uh, piazzola tango, which is so sensual, and thinking of the rings as two, not just these props that clang together, but these two things that impossibly come together and come apart at the, when you do not expect it to happen. I try to make those the moves be when you don't think they're going to happen. Right. So these are things more than character things I find fascinating. So getting back to your question, it's a combination of you you yourself finding something that really gets you, like things that give you goosebumps especially, because that's you know such a great feeling. And then you work on the technique. And then if it's a character, if it's a facet of yourself, or if you happen to fall in something. But I think characters are discoveries more than they are. They're intentions, but they're also, um, they grab you and the audience starts you, act, you start acting a certain way, and the audience relates to you, and that's what you hang on to. And it's complicated. It looks simple. It looks like you're just going out there and doing it. But there's a lot of depth, which is what I think makes it worthwhile. Absolutely. You know, it wouldn't be worth it if it wasn't, didn't go through all the pain. <laughs> the good pain. The, 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 uh, the, uh, the effort. How important is originality to you? People want to see something that's familiar. They want to relate to it. So... If you go thinking, I want to be original, and you come up with this whole bizarre thing that people can't relate to you, then what good is, quote, originality, unquote? There's no, first of all, when I say put it in quotes, nothing is original. It's a remix. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's you take all the, and there's a, I don't know who author was, a famous author said, it says, if you steal from one author, that's plagiarism. <laughs> if you steal from five, that's research, right? So it's the same thing with anything else. And, um... So uh, that's really what it is. It, it, it's important for people, for the audience to think that they're seeing something never seen before. But yet, you know, they may have never seen uh, the technique that I use, but they've, they know the idea of falling in love. Right. And um, so they need to, it's, another way to put it is the audience needs to, you need to do something the audience can't do. But they need you need to have them wish they could. <laughs> they wish they could feel that. So it's that two-way thing, and you have to have both of them. If you come out there and you do um, a, a trick, a linking rings or whatever, and you do it in a way that people have already seen a lot of it, they're going to go. Or especially, you know, like a I, oh, here I go again. I should a car trick. <laughs> 
that um, you know, a lot of them are people. You know, I know you're going to find yeah, my yeah, card, yeah. <laughs> so you better find a way that I care uh-huh. how I find my card. Uh-huh. And there's just not enough of that. Um, I think, especially, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, about a lot of things. If I already know what you're going to do, and if I, you know, can figure it out, or if I, at least I think I can figure it out, you know, it doesn't mean you can figure it out. You think you can? Then I'm going to be bored. So you need to really surprise me, but you also need to satisfy me. So it's shock me and satisfy me at the same time. So it's very complex, and I don't think it's something that you can like learn in a book or something. You, of course, you learn from books a lot, but it needs to be something that that it's a it's a, a a remix and a coming together of things that have come into your life up until that point. We're about to release your astonishing essay. Can you tell listeners oh. all about that and how it came about? Oh my gosh, yeah, that was, uh, the thing of that is that, um, that that thing in Costa Rica, that retreat, which I, I went to that retreat thinking, oh, you know, I want to be useful. I don't want to just go someplace and, you know, just be sitting in the corner. And so the first night I kind of was like, I was thinking, oh gosh, should I really be here? <laughs> and then thanks to Andy and Rune Khan, who's fabulous. I met him there. He's a great guy. He's amazing. They started saying, okay, so let's, let's have yoga tomorrow morning. And all these people are going, well, what are you talking about? And I just found that that it that it just felt really good. And then when Andy and, and Josh asked me to write this essay, I thought, wow, that's I never would have dreamed of that. And thank you. And uh, that was one of the really hard things for me to do. And I said, Andy, you got to give me a deadline. Josh, give me a deadline. So they gave me one deadline. I said, you know, you know. I said I need that. So that was end of July. So I just spent working. It's what I'm trying to say is that. I had to pull so much out of myself that I... Yeah, no, it's such a personal, open book. Yeah, and, yeah, and, um, but it meant so much to me, and it meant so much to me that they asked me to do that. I never would have done that if they hadn't asked me, because it's just one of those things where I just cannot get myself to sit down. Sure. So I, I have this disciplined thing that I do to myself. I say, okay, 10 minutes a day, no matter what. So right. I get up in the morning and do that, and that, that, that works for me, and really commit, and it was... Really, I was so happy to write it, and um, I wrote and rewrote and extended the deadline, which they were very kind to do. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if that was your, if you have a specific question on that, but it meant a lot to me to do it, and also because I, I'm 71 right now, and um, it has to do with something about my mother when I was 71. I don't want to give it no, 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 that's not but, spoil the end. But um, I, I just had a lot of my I, at, at this age, I was thinking that. Where, where did I come from? Why am I here? And I realized that it was exactly how I was raised when I was a child, how my mother en- encouraged me. And, and uh, I, all this weird stuff, good stuff, started coming together. So it was really like an opening for me. And I was, again, so grateful that... Um, and I'm grateful that, that I'm having this with you because it means a lot to me to be able to express myself. I love doing it, but it's like... It's, oh. I'm, I'm the textbook introvert. I was going to sure. talk to you about that, too took me my whole lifetime to find my label for myself because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I and I find I discovered that at the retreat I discovered that there was other people in my situation you know because we have this thing where we want to express ourselves but and we work on on tools we work on whether it's magic or whatever the craft is and we go yeah but how do we get this out there and then finally it bursts out of us and it's 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 a release but it's scary to us. We don't have we don't have that ease that we see other people have, where they can just get out and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and just you know be social and be friendly. And you've come a long way from the girl at high school who was worried when she was asked <laughs> to join the guitar band. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, and then that was the beginning. And you thought it was all a joke, and they were just being horrible to you. 
I know. And, you know, and that's so harm. That's so self-destructive. And I still do that to myself. But then I go, no, this is what's what feeds me. All these things that 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 we feel are that that are bad things about us. We have to realize and I hope other people will feel that, too. That's good. Being an introvert is good if you know how to use it, if right. you know how to learn all those skills that you you know do all those crazy little things in your room that you don't want anybody to see you I, know. <laughs> I used to, I knew you know who I knew a long time ago was Andy Kaufman uh-huh. wow the great comedian yeah of course yeah, he and of I were, course <laughs> I know believe me this generation has never heard of Andy Kaufman huh. and I met him when we were both working we uh, the LA Mime company the group I was with back in the mid 70s we were um, le- regulars on the show the uh, Dick Van Dyke variety uh-huh. it was called so there was five of us on the show, and then this was Andy Kaufman's breakout thing. This was he'd never, nobody had ever heard of him. He came out from New York to be in the show, and that's kind of the beginning of his career as we knew him. Yeah. And so you now he and I got to be friends, and oh, I observed man. him because I was I was so envious of him because he and I would go places and he would practice these characters. I know he was super shy, and he I guess he saw that in me, and I think that's why we became friends. Because we'd go to these places and he'd be really quiet, and then he would say, uh, "Excuse me," and he'd say, "Come over here," and I'd go with him, and he would turn on this character. He had Tony Clifton, yeah, yeah, yeah. Foreign Man, all these people that were in development, uh, the Elvis thing. He was doing all these things that he, when he would be in his room hiding, that's what he would do. So he was getting ready for this when he was a kid, and little did he know, probably that. He, he became Andy Kaufman. It's, uh, um, so that's what I'm saying. Anybody that's out there being an introvert and does all these secret crazy things, that's what I did, not to the extent of Andy Kaufman. Uh, but I used to watch him do these uh, characters. As we like, we just go somewhere and he would do a character. He'd meet somebody or go to the ticket counter and start doing foreign man. Or or for Tony did do Tony Clifton. When we'd go to a, on the Santa Monica Pier. They had those games you could uh-huh. play. And, and I want to win some. I want to win something here for my gal. You know, and he would just do. And I was I was so jealous. I was going. I wish I could do that. Right. I wish I could just let all this stuff out. And so, so he would do that. And I was. I, I and you know at that point I realized yeah this is all that hidden stuff. So getting back to your your when you said character. It's so much deeper than that, you know, and um, I find it so fascinating. And I, I really wish that I would have been more daring. If I have one regret in my life, I wish that I would have um, done a lot more things like that that would have given me a little more ammunition sure. because I always, I always feel that I don't have enough. Sure, but now you could go over to Costa Rica and lead a pop-up yoga workshop for magicians, so <laughs> I don't think you're doing too bad, too. No, you know what? I'm talking, trying to talk Andy into it. I think Josh is all about new adventure, which I, you know, I love the the, the difference between Andy and Josh because Josh is like, oh, let's on no, do new adventures, and Andy's going, hey, can we repeat this? So I'm on Andy's side. <laughs> I would I would do that in a second. I, that was such a great thing for me, and I would probably, you know, I just I would love to repeat that. I love combining those two things. So Josh and Andy, if you're out there. Anytime. Because <laughs> I think, I think no, I discovered, I mean, I got such nice feedback from the magicians that they, they said, they started getting what I get. You know, it's about, oh, my body feels, you know, if your body feels good, you're going to be a better performer. Yeah. Um, I do feel, this is one thing I don't, it's, that I, that sometimes you get too caught up. Like, I love the devotion of magicians, the, the card, 
By the way, I'll say move monkeys only because I heard Josh use that term. No, it's okay. It's like we've accepted the it now. Monkeys. Yeah, you can say You've move monkeys. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love the word. And it, but, you know, move monkeys, you slouch over and you're, you're so totally closed in. Talk about introvert. Mm. You're so totally closed in. How about using all that skill that you're, you're working on right now? All that beautiful skill, that admirable skill, that you need to share. But you're not going to be able to share it if you're closed in in a corner. Yeah. So find a way. In fact, oh, now that I'm on this this road here, David Williamson is a perfect example because I met David. You see, I met all these people before they were who they are now. <laughs> and I met David Williamson, which is actually, and he was he will admit that he's an introvert. And you go, what? No, he and I met him when he was like that. He was this was back in Maryland, I think we were Mike and I were doing a show back there, and he came by very shy and he's you know, brilliantly working on all this stuff. But he got I think fed up with just you know not getting out there. So he's my perfect example of an introvert that really knows how to use it because he has the skills now. So he not only has this uh, this amazing personality. He spent his younger years developing the skills. So I say to anybody that's um, really deep into the flourishes, whatever it is where you you know like to be by mm -hmm. yourself in a corner, know that that is a gift. That is a, a gift that you can share. Because here you are, getting back to what I said earlier, people want to see us do something they can't do. Sure. So we can't do those flourishes. But we want to see, we want to see you. We want to see what... Um, we want to feel like we know you at the same time we're in awe of what you're doing. Yeah. So that's kind of my, you know, what I'm trying to put across here. Tina, we've run out of time. We're going to end with four oh. quick fire questions. Are you ready? Okay. Uh -huh. Favorite pizza topping? Oh, mushrooms. Uh, your favorite movie? Adaptation. Favorite person that makes music? Um, Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> And who would you rather fight, 100 tiny Joshuas or one massive Andy? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I can't even answer that question. You have to. I don't want to fight them. No, you have to. It's like a, it's <laughs> like a friendly fight. There's 100 a tiny fight. Joshuas, one massive Andy. Who would you choose? I think I can relate better to Andy, so I'll do a fake fight with Andy. Okay, cool. Okay. Tina, thank you so much for spending your morning <laughs> with me. I really appreciate the oh, time. It's been a really fun chat. And I appreciate I appreciate your your questions and your your interest.